0: Experience driving America's best-selling brand by visiting your local Route 58 dealership. At Riverhead Ford Lincoln, you're more than just a customer, you're part of the family. From the moment you enter their doors, your driving needs are their number one priority. Rooted in providing superior customer satisfaction, their team is dedicated toward pairing you with the right sedan, coupe, SUV, truck, or hybrid vehicle. With a lot stock with over 100 vehicles, they have what you want for the price you want. Stop by and meet their general manager, Tom Williams, a lifelong North Fork resident. Visit Riverhead Ford Lincoln on Route 58 in Riverhead, one mile east of the Tanger Outlets, or at RiverheadFord.net. Riverhead Ford Lincoln, not just a better deal, a better dealership.
1: That was that was Wednesday, March 11th, was when we we, we knew that day that when we met that there was going to be a big story coming. Um, And we left, and we haven't been back into that building since.
2: Maybe even start off with um, going back to that Sunday, March 8th, when we got that first Suffolk uh, notification that somebody had tested positive. I guess the governor posted something saying that there had been, you know, he put out the numbers and that was the first time for Suffolk there was one. So, you know, we had a story go up just that afternoon or late morning, early afternoon, just saying that there was one case in Suffolk. And, you know, obviously at that point we were trying to figure out where that case was and then obviously figure out it was in the south of the town. So that just kind of how quickly. Everything escalated from, you know, that one case three weeks ago. We have today in Suffolk County, uh, 6,713 confirmed patients uh, that have tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. That is up nearly 1,000. Since this began, since uh, in the last twenty-four hours, and it, it, you know, it's hard to believe. As we've gone through this, looking back, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about cases in the single digits, and now we're talking about increases on a, a
0: daily basis that are approaching a thousand positive cases. Steve, you, uh, I started my career in. Uh... Early 2003, so I kind of missed 9-11. I know Joe and Tara, you guys are younger than me. Uh, (laughs) But that's sort of like the comparison that keeps coming up. Uh, Oddly, it it feels funny comparing the two things.
1: Yeah, it it does feel funny because someone was pointing this out the other night on something I was listening to. Um, 9-11 was an incredibly tragic day. It killed almost 3,000 people um but it was it was a targeted attack on the united states this is a virus that just took off from one's location and has now gone around the world and everyone is a potential victim to it so here is the first war and they, they're calling it a war in which everyone is a target everyone is a soldier everyone is a potential victim you know in britain they keep saying you know during the battle of britain in 1940 you know, hundreds were killed every night in the bombing, but you could get away from it. This is something you can't get away from. Yeah.
0: Were you in the newsroom on nine eleven, Steve?
1: I was guess? in my car driving from Kutchog, where I live, to Melville when the first plane hit. And by the time I got uh, pulled into the parking lot in Melville, uh, the second plane had hit. And I ran upstairs. Uh, people were still coming into the building. People from the city felt they were kind of trapped and it just turned into This crazy horrible sad day and then of course TVs were all on so you watched the the towers collapse Um, And then there was the fallout that went on for weeks about how it affected every single community That had people who commuted into the city Uh, You guys had deaths out here uh, from people who were working in the city yeah, but again, this this thing feels so much more insidious and so almost evil in the sense that uh, anybody anywhere can get it, and as we've seen, the Peconic Landing uh, residents, the members there of that age cohort have really been hammered.
0: They were pretty, they've been very transparent. I think it's fair, fair to say. Yeah, I I agree. They have, they
1: definitely have, have state requirements as well, but they're also, their practices is to inform people and they have their own in-house television system that does that as well.
0: Yeah. We're recording this on uh, late Tuesday morning. They've had seven deaths at Peconic landing. Um, the, it came into there through a part-time worker. Now, what we know is, uh, Patient number one for Suffolk County was an employee at Greenport Harbor Brewing. Right. Uh, when that employee was going to the hospital, he called the cab. The cab was driven by someone who worked part-time at Peconic Landing. That person was infected, presumably, by the other person, uh, the, right. by, by the person she was driving to the, the, the hospital.
1: Yeah, I believe their position has been all along that that's their kind of patient zero, that that's how it got into the, into the campus and spread from there
2: been particularly into the health center where most of the uh, people who have uh, died from this have been so it's, uh, there have been some cases in you know obviously there's different um different parts of peconic land and people live in different areas the independent housing and then you know people that are in the health center that are getting cared for um, so that's kind of where this seems to be mostly uh, centered and uh, obviously those people are the most vulnerable because a lot of them are already maybe dealing with other Illnesses to start with, so it just you know goes to show how how quickly something like this can spread in that sort of environment and how deadly can uh, can
0: potentially be. There are 11 members from Conoc Land being treated.
1: Yeah, and I think Grant, because of the way it started um, in Greenport in those early days, again this is only what two and a half weeks ago or something, it, it felt very much that Greenport itself was a hot zone, that this was going to be kind of an epicenter of this thing. And then, of course, as testing commenced on a wider basis, you could see the numbers starting to pile up to the west of us. And that issue of Greenport being its own unique hot zone kind of faded.
0: I think it's fair to say it's kind of kind of everywhere. I know early on our reporting mm-hmm. was, oh, let's see, you know, who was that first patient that got it? You know, let's try to talk to some of the earlier patients. And then it got to the point really quickly, I'd say within just like two days, that it was, well, it doesn't even kind of matter who has it. You almost, everybody's just got to kind of operate like they have it or uh, or they're going to get it? Right, because originally it was kind of like, you know, who, who
2: has it and then who has to be quarantined around that person? And then it just, you know, very quickly uh, just evolved into where now everyone, everyone is supposed to stay home. Yeah. So we're basically all, all under quarantine, whether we know someone around it or not. It's just kind of amazing how quickly everything
1: sort of uh, progressed. Yeah, it's a, those numbers, Joe, are just a powerful way to look at how easy COVID-19 is to... Um, to pass along. One of the things that really stuck out, I think, for a lot of our readers and particularly for me here in Kutshog was the county map that we ran just a couple of days ago that had 28 in Kutshog. Um, 28 confirmed cases in, in a hamlet of, I don't know, 1,200 people or something. Uh, it makes going to King Cullen in, in Kutshog almost feel like you're doing this great risk So to your point, Joe, beginning it starts off with, well, we'll just quarantine the person who we know has it to now everyone has to be quarantined because it passes itself so easily.
0: And now one final word from our sponsor. Riverhead Buick GMC is your ultimate Sierra source, equipped with trucks you need to get the job done. They have proudly served the East End community for generations by instilling high value on customer satisfaction. At Riverhead Buick GMC, they are more than just a better deal. They have given back to the Riverhead community for decades by supporting local charities, schools, and parades. In addition, Riverhead Buick GMC has provided premium trucks and SUVs for local golf tournament fundraisers. Experience all they have to offer by stopping in today. Take a test drive of that car you've been searching for, grab a cup of coffee, or just say hello to their welcoming team. Visit Riverhead Buick GMC on Route 58 in Riverhead, one mile east of the Tanger Outlets, or at riverheadbuickgmc.com. Riverhead Buick GMC, not just a better deal, a better dealership. Steve brought up that map. I know the county has since taken that down. What what, what exactly is going on with that map? Because I know what we heard from a few readers uh, on Monday saying, "Hey, I can't access that map anymore."
2: Right. So it sounds like they're the county. So basically, what they were saying is the the, the data they get from the state health department. So you, you, know, you have the state health department sort of running things, and then you have all the individual county health departments that are and everyone sort of collecting numbers on their own. It seems like and it's like gotta get. Go all sort of get pulled together. So the numbers they get down from the state aren't um, broken down specifically by Hamlet. So they said they're kind of working to to get that get those numbers from the state, break them down more. And then so they're creating this better database where people can sort and kind of see more specific numbers. And uh, that map, uh, I guess, the early test version, um, so it wasn't technically live yet. They should have that ready in a few days. You know, it's obviously a pretty interesting way to be able to look at the entire county and kind of see specifically you know what areas have the most uh most cases and may still be a little early to draw too many conclusions but um you know obviously it's something that would generate a lot of interest from from people to have a sense of you know how many cases are in their backyard per se
0: the data has been interesting to sort of track we've seen the numbers grow like you said it becomes a little hard to kind of put it all into perspective because you just don't know how many people have been tested. I found the information a little frustrating at times, particularly I'd love to see more of a breakdown in terms of age provided by both the county and the state. Early on, we were getting sort of like, you know, male in his 50s, you know, male in his 70s, whatever. They were giving us the the breakdown. Are kids getting infected? I, I found on the calls, they've been a little bit sort of about that question. I know at one point the answer when someone else asked it was, we're finding it's mostly adults. Well, mostly, okay, so that means kids, you know, how many kids have been infected. Um, and also I think it would just be in terms of teaching a little bit more social responsibility to people. I do think there are still people who are kind of like, well, I'm not really the age, I, I have to worry about that. So I think, and that's a point that the governor, the county executive been trying to drive home. And I think sharing that information would help in
1: that area i think we've gotten some reader letters on that very point Grant. you've probably seen in which people have written in saying can you guys tell us more specifically where these people who confirmed uh, you know what hamlets they're from and two more uh, a better description of our you know age group uh, underlying conditions in other words who's getting this but then beyond that, of course, is the mystery of people who don't have any symptoms who are positive if they were tested, but of course they can't get tested because they don't have the symptoms, and they're the reason the spread is is so uh, is so vicious.
3: Yeah, they could be spreading it without even really knowing uh, knowing that they're doing it. A guy in his 30s, uh, wasn't that one of the deaths that we recently learned about through, I think, the county executive's office? That was the youngest um, confirmed yeah, that's kind uh, of in, shocking. in the
2: county so far. They didn't obviously get into too, too many specifics about the person's condition, but they, they did say that the person had underlying um, health issues, which seems to be, I think, almost every person that they've said
3: the uh, yeah. mentality has had this so kind of
2: underlying um but it would be would be interesting to know more specifically what kind of uh, underlying issues that person had to that point Joe I did hear something
1: on on the radio that I thought was pretty intriguing that it it seems to some of the experts that vaping is in particular cause of your your lungs are already hammered
2: there had been um you know before this whole coronavirus um, there was the illnesses going around where people were dying that they were trying they thought was linked to possible uh, vaping And um, and there was a big concern about that, um, you know, obviously before this all started. And uh, so that would, I mean, it seems like that could certainly be be the case um, that vaping could have somebody at a greater risk for something like this.
3: It's interesting that you bring up vaping because I feel like a lot of young people, even like some of my friends I've seen online, like kind of think they're like invincible. So I think it would be nice to know some of the, you know, more details into the age breakdown just because older people might be more susceptible to, you know, dying from the illness doesn't mean that younger people aren't getting it and, you know, spreading it because they refuse to stay home.
0: I went to Costco yesterday just because we hadn't really been out in, in weeks and uh it's like a whole new world that we're entering and i kind of wonder how much Mm -hmm. as i'm walking around people wearing masks and gloves definitely some sort of protocols in the stores plexiglass that's been put up Uh, yeah this whole surreal experience and i wonder how much of what's come from this is almost going to become commonplace in the
1: future i wondered that too grant i was Mm -hmm. in king Cullen two days ago they put up all the plexiglass so that if you were in the checkout line and when you get up you know to the front of the checkout line where the checkout person is taking care of your groceries there's a big plastic plexiglass shield there really and you wonder will they ever take those down yeah. i, I kind of suspect they're now going to become kind of permanent fixtures i and don't I know heard, i
3: think it's going to become normal too i just don't and see I them heard taking several it down. people
1: just just thank these people for coming to work in a grocery store and I had called earlier in the day to see if some, one of those uh, checkout people would like to talk to us for a story because they're on the front lines, as, not to the same degree as a healthcare worker, of course, but they're certainly in the line of fire. And the manager said he would run it up the King Cullen chain, and that was the end of it. But. Um, seeing them behind the plastic wall, I, I, I do think that's going to become the normal. You know, they are on the front line. And in most cases, they're being paid less to be on the front line than you know you would if you were a police officer or a nurse. That's what I really wanted to write about, Grant. There's several, yeah. having been a resident of Kutchaw a long time, there's several very older women who are kind of the anchors of the checkout team at King Collin, And they would have been a great story to talk about. What does it feel like to come to work and you're now behind a wall and you're worried about the person now in line? They're very much um, the unwritten part of the front line. And I would like to change that, but we need the help of these corporations to understand that 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 kind of a story is really to their advantage. The other
0: two things to me that I think have sort
1: of changed forever is the way people work,
0: I think will change uh, somewhat. I, I think a lot of businesses will see that they're, Employees have been able to manage at home, um, and Mm -hmm. maybe it'll change some minds about uh, remote workplaces. And the other thing is how schools have will change from this. I am uh, the only one of the four of us with a a school aged child right now. My son is in kindergarten, and not only am I working, you know, pretty much a 12 hour day every day, uh, I'm also my son's teacher now. Uh, (laughs) And (laughs) at night, you know, we have. After we get off this call, I have to do gym class with them. Uh, what is
3: kindergarten like at
2: home? <laughs> it, seems like all, it seems like all you guys do is gym class. Are you guys getting into math? And, and well,
0: that's what I do during the work hours. I take a little break because that's when it's sunny out. We could go outside and do it. I'm doing math. I'm doing reading with them at night. Uh, it's, but it, it, it's a real challenge. I think it's a challenge for the, the teachers as well. But I wonder if something would change, like, for example, instead of burning a ton of snow days, they would switch to remote learning on a snow day in the future.
3: Yeah, snow days will never be the same.
1: The schools realized that this worked well. They they now have sent everyone home with a with a laptop or a device. You know, why have a snow day in which you don't accomplish anything?
3: Tara,
0: you've been doing a lot of reporting in the schools.
3: Yeah, so the first kind of thing we learned was schools were going to be shut down for an initial two weeks. And I think the original target date to get back was uh, tomorrow or Thursday even Uh, So that became abundantly clear that that was never going to happen. And a lot of superintendents got together and started saying, I don't think this is going to be possible. So internally, you know, they were meeting with teachers to come up with a more longer term plan, uh, which does include, you know, remote learning. Distance learning is like the new buzzword. They're able to check in and, you know, check into all of their classes. Uh, I'm not sure about every individual district, but I know Mattituck has is operating on. So almost like a half day snow day schedule so that kids aren't literally sitting in front of their screens from seven to two or whatever the high school period is but it's just four hours and you know I guess they're getting some of their essential work done the, the big challenge now with you know as we're starting to look at you know an extended closure um people are starting to wonder if kids will ever go back at all this year um I know a couple other states um I think Virginia, maybe in states where it's not even as bad as it is here in New York, have already called off the school year. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see what uh, what happens there. But um, one of the most recent stories I did was about a group of teachers, you know, who are trying to get together to pool resources and uh, you know make sure that while kids are at home, that everyone has access to a laptop because that right. has become a crucial piece of technology as you switch to online learning. Um, It's something that, uh, you know, maybe you don't think about or maybe you take for granted. But there are definitely families out there that, uh, you know, can't afford one laptop, Mm -hmm. you know, and then never mind thinking about getting every kid their own laptop. So
1: this will be the class, the 2020 class that we forever identified as the COVID-19 class. You have athletes athletes in high school who are counting on the senior year Mm -hmm. to get noticed, perhaps to, Mm -hmm. to get some kind of a lift up into a college sport. That's not going to happen. Yeah. A part of the school year has just been taken from them, and they're sitting at home in front of a laptop. Will there be a, a school year? Will there be a graduation? My kids right now are—they're painting rocks in the kitchen uh, uh, <laughs> to
0: keep them busy and not uh, staring at a screen. But most of the time, they are staring at a screen yeah. because my wife and I have to work, and I think about my son's already one of the older kids. He's a December birthday. It's not like I would really have the option of just holding them back and repeating kindergarten with them because he'd be seven right. years old uh-huh. in kindergarten. So yeah. it's uh, and I know, I guess you know, I have read that teachers, they'll have to adjust their plans. So first grade would be a little, will be a little different next year, probably where there'll be sort of like a kindergarten into first grade uh, program because they're going to have to. Catch right. I, to I, everyone's
2: going to be in the same,
1: everyone's going to be in the same boat. Yeah. It would be fun to find, I mean, you talk about your experience, Grant, as a teacher and how hard it is. And, you know, they have certifications and master's degrees and all the things that make them the extraordinary, you know, teachers that they are. To find It would be fun to find a teacher, uh, a really dedicated teacher, trying to do all this in her kitchen, t- at her, his or her kitchen table, talking into a Zoom class. Yeah. Trying to take attendance, trying to make sure everyone's actually trying at least to participate, and how frustrating that must be because you were your whole goal was to launch those kids to the colleges they wanted to go to, and now there's this world to deal with.
0: The last thing I wanted to sort of mention in this was I do feel like there's you know I mentioned teachers how I sort of have a newfound respect for them. And uh, I know certainly some people are frustrated with the distance learning and how it's difficult to, to, to teach your kid and they might blame the schools and the teachers, but they could not prepare for this. I mean, no, nobody could no. really fully prepare for this. It's really difficult to put blame on sort of anybody. And, and that's where it most reminds me of, of 9-11 in that we sort of all had to rally together uh after nine eleven, it felt like a much more united america and i think we're we're maybe not at that point where we're as united as we were then but i do think
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know we're um we're finding all this newfound respect for people i know i hear that a lot about governor cuomo yeah i've
3: heard people who like really hate the guy uh you know offer up a little bit of praise for his leadership yeah. so
0: and, and even people you already respected it just takes it to another level like nurses right. uh
3: yeah
0: uh,
1: right. I'm going to throw in the throw in the people working the cash register at king Kong. yeah yeah, yeah definitely. You I mean, it's um
3: yeah we need them <laughs>
1: and they're not doing protective you know gear they're not doing they're not wearing ppes they're yeah. not coming in with masks on they're just simply behind a, a plastic wall that's yeah. it
0: And I think we've also, uh, for for us, uh, we've heard from a lot of people who have respected what we've done, sort of reporting around the clock. Um, We've had to make a lot of sacrifices. uh, And I just, I I, want to thank everybody who uh, has reached out, all the people who subscribe. We put out a, a plea for subscriptions. I mean, our advertising revenue. Obviously, it takes a huge hit from this. We're not on that side of the business. We don't really know all the details there and aren't really that's not where our focus is, but certainly we recognize that. So all the people out there who are buying subscriptions to our paper, that helps so so enormously.
1: There's many reasons for us to be very, very grateful to people who support community journalism. Because we're going to do whatever we can to make sure you know what's going on in your hometown.
0: Well, on that note, I think we have to get back to doing uh, journalism. I know I got the notification that the governor is live, so we're going to have to uh, backtrack oh, on that. Oh, I can't that.
3: miss that. Uh
0: <laughs>
1: class is coming up, Grant.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, th- thank you so much, guys. Thank you, everyone.
3: Thank Cheers. you.